Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tiantian. Now, we'll give you an inside look into a Swiss private bank founded not in 1996, but in 1796. Now, with 358 billion Swiss francs worth of total client assets, we'll find out how Lombard ODA positioned itself amid changing demands from private clients such as high net worth individuals. And apparently private clients, they are getting increasingly worried about market volatility, no thanks to the rising inflation and recession on the horizon. And uh, Lombard ODA spoke with over 450 high net worth individuals across APEC, and over two thirds of them have acted decisively to realign their portfolios. But really, what role do banks play in this regard? Now, for more, let's speak to Stefan Monier, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard ODA. Well, Stefan, welcome to the show. Hi, Jensen. Thank you very much for having me. Great to have you on as well. And Stefan, Lombard ODA is a Swiss private banker founded in 1796. I appreciate if you could share more with our listeners what the company does and some examples of your client base and business positioning. Sure. So we are a family-owned private bank, as you said, which started in 1796. And what characterizes us is to have a very long-term outlook. We have been uh, going through... Uh, more than 40 financial and economic crises since our creation. And also something which is very important for us is also to always reinvent the way we do things. One of our motto is to rethink everything. And as far as the client survey that you mentioned, what we realized is that our clients have three uh, main shifts in their asset allocation. In the year 2022, they were more interested in investing in hedge funds, uh, three types of hedge funds, particularly macro hedge funds, uh, CTAs, and also hedge funds that bring convexity in the client portfolios. Our clients are also more interested in the investing uh, following the uh, American University endowment model. So they want to invest more into private assets. This is only, um, I would say, suitable for clients that have a long-term outlook and no need for a short-term liquidity. You need to be able to forego your assets for 10 or 15 years. And here we build investment plans for them in private assets, private equity, private debt, infrastructure, and also uh, real estate. And last but not least, our clients are also very interested in us building asymmetric return profile for their portfolio. Uh, they like us to protect them, to, to be protected uh, on the downside while participating in the upside. And for that, we use option strategies such as buying put spread on equity indices in order to create that type of profile for our clients. Mm. And Stefan, you briefly mentioned about this as well, and I want to deep dive into that. 2021-2022 has been a relatively very difficult time for everyone. How do you think uh, that has affected the investment demands of institutional and high net worth uh, individuals for you? Because you talked about hedge funds as well, right? Absolutely. So as I was uh, mentioning before, uh, our clients are very much uh, targeted towards the long-term horizon, and therefore they want to invest in asset classes that diversify their portfolio. So their demand is for more diversification. For example, private equity allow you to participate in the growth phase of a company before the IPO, which is now where most 
of the value uh, is created. Uh, so that's uh, one example. But also they want to have, uh, on the other hand, for their liquid portfolio, quality assets, because quality is a synonym for liquidity in the market. So for the liquid part of their portfolio, they want to have high quality assets. And we oriented, oriented them towards quality company or quality bonds, government bonds or investment grade credit. Right. And Stefan, I do want to zoom in on the behavior of high net worth individuals, particularly in APEC, because Lombardo, DA, you, you guys spoke with over 450 high net worth individuals across the region in 2022. What are the key insights you've derived from these conversations? Yes, uh, 2022 was a very specific year uh, where both uh, fixed income and equity had negative returns. You have over the last 120 years, only three years such as 2022, this is 1931 and uh, uh, 1969. And if you look at the history, after those two years, you have had at least one and uh, or two uh, asset classes that have positive returns. So it is clear that um, you know uh, our clients are very much in demand of fixed income uh, investment because they think that you know we may have reached a peak at least for the 10-year yield uh, towards October uh, 2022. And then some of our clients are more favorable on equities and uh, we are particularly advising them to invest in Asian equities because uh, uh, China reopening uh, will uh, improve uh, the earnings outlook uh, in uh, uh, the uh, Chinese companies, and also some other investment might look uh, attractive, such as Japan. We like the Japanese small and mid cap, and uh, also, you know, with the recent uh, Adani saga in India, maybe we think there could be uh, in the coming weeks an opportunity to invest in Indian equities. I would say at this stage, we consider Chinese as a tactical opportunity, Chinese equities as a tactical opportunities when we consider Indian equities more of a structural uh, investment for the next 10 to 15 years. I want to focus on the role of Lombard Audio in constructing portfolios for this group of clients. What was your role during this shift towards maybe fixed income, towards Indian equities? How does it impact the offerings you have for your clients? Yes, when you look at the private banking industry, many of our competitors have built, you know, risk profile and they try to bucket their clients into specific risk profile. Typically, conservative client, uh, um, I would say uh, uh, balanced client or growth clients. We don't think this approach is particularly adapted uh, to our clientele of ultra high net worth. Uh, because in the end, uh, you know, this is mainly done in order to be scalable as a private bank and have uh, efficiencies in terms of managing the portfolio. But those portfolios are not very much bespoke uh, for the client needs. So we have a different approach that we call your wealth outlook. This approach consists in identifying the goals of our clients. And all our clients have two types of goals. They have essential goals. So, for example, providing income in order to sustain the standard of living. And they have aspirational goals. Aspirational goals could be to buy a private jet, buy a yacht, or make a donation uh, to a charitable organization at a certain time horizon. And what we do is we build portfolios that maximize the chance of reaching each of those goals. So typically, for uh, the essential goals that are, generally speaking, generating income, 
we build a liability-driven investment portfolio, which uh, uh, gives the maximum chance to reach this income generation. And for the essential goals, we build wealth-maximizing portfolios in order to increase the chances of the clients uh, to reach their goals. This approach, focusing on uh, the specific goals of our client, allows us to keep the long-term objective uh, um, in, the, in the picture, and it avoids the kind of emotional reaction when you know a client portfolio has had a negative performance one year. It is quite usual that the client has the emotional reaction to want to sell everything and park the money in cash, which is very, I would say, detrimental to the long-term performance of his portfolio because, of course, it does not capture the rebound that usually follows a crisis. Right. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to Stéphane Monnier, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard ODA. And, uh, well, Stéphane, let's zoom in on the topic of sustainability right now. Uh, according to the study that you have with APEC, uh, high net worth individuals, uh, more of them say they face barriers in convincing their families on the importance of sustainability, uh, despite wanting to invest in the area. And part of that reason or that pushback has to do with the relative underperformance of financial returns. So tell us more about that. And how do you intend to convince clients with numbers that sustainability is the way to go? So first, I would like to state that uh, sustainability is part of the DNA of Lombardier. So it's not something new, although, you know, in the media it has appeared in the last uh, three or four years. Uh, I would take one example, uh, going back to 1841, uh, Mr. Alexandre Lombard, one of our former partners, uh, wrote in the Geneva Press an article advising against investing in companies from the south of the United States because they were benefiting from slavery. So you see, it goes back a long time for us. Uh, what is very important to understand about sustainability is that the train has left the station. So there is no way back. We have to uh, go through uh, the sustainability revolution. And for us at Lombardier, it's a great investment opportunity. We estimate that every year, you know, for the next uh, 30 years, there will be a need to invest 5.5 trillion in the sustainability uh, revolution. And we want our client to grasp those opportunities. And the way we manage our client portfolios, I would say you can break it down in two aspects. One aspect is what we call alignment, and one other aspect is performance generation. So let's start with alignment. Alignment is basically um, the process that we follow in order to manage the risk associated to the sustainability revolution. And we have identified three types of risk. The first type of risk is what we call the risk of transition. Let's imagine, you know, we invest in a diesel car manufacturer. It's quite likely that, you know, this company won't be there in the next 20 or 30 years if they don't change their business model. And therefore, you want to avoid these type of companies because they will become stranded assets. The second type of risk that we want to mitigate is what we call the physical risk. You have heard about, you know, wildfire in California. You have heard about flooding in Pakistan. So it's very important to know where your portfolio assets are located because some geographic zones are more sensitive to, for example, climate transition, and they could be affected by those uh, climate events. And you want to avoid those risks. Last but not least is what we call litigation risk. Some of the companies that have polluted a lot in the past could be facing a, a lawsuit in the future. Basically, 
the polluters could become the payers and you want to avoid exposure to those companies. So that's the alignment part of the portfolio. And now for the performance generation of the mm -hmm. portfolio, there are okay. two types of investment that we consider. The first one is to finance, uh, I would say, the sustainability revolution. We do that for green bonds uh, according to the climate transition. We do that also through microfinance in order to build a more so, uh, equal society. And we also uh, try to target private assets that are related to the uh, climate uh, transition or uh, the improvement of the environment, such as, mm -hmm. for example, uh, plastic recycling. And last but not least, we also participate into equity investment, whether through direct lines in our client portfolios, that's what we mm -hmm. call the sustainability leaders. We invest in companies that whose technology facilitate uh, the sustainability revolution or we invest into mutual funds that uh, you know, are on themes that are appealing to our clients, such as climate transition, uh, such as improving the biodiversity, the new food system, and, and so on. And Stefan, very quickly before we let you go, we really want to find out from you, what are some of the key market moves that uh, you are tracking to ensure that uh, the bank continues to meet the needs of its clients? And what can we, um, uh, what can investors in APEC uh, expect for the first half of 2023? So first, we are not necessarily only tracking the market moves, but we are also tracking you know, the underlying reason for those market moves. And there are two things that I'm particularly worried at this point in time. One is when you look at the developed economy of the US or Europe, you see that all the leading economic indicators, whether relating to manufacturing or services, are coming down, meaning that we do expect a slowdown of the economy, whether it's a soft landing or a, a, a recession in the various uh, region. However, at the same time, last Friday, an, an employment report showed that the unemployment rate went down to 3.4%. So you have some sort of inconsistency there where the companies, despite the slowdown in the economic growth, have been continuing to recruit people. And that's a little bit worrying because going forward, it could create a situation where their revenues are going down while they have uh, you know, increased cost, uh, input cost and labor cost, and they could be squeezed. So we have to monitor very carefully the evolution of the employment market and also the evolution of the earnings of the corporation. And the second type of risk that we are particularly worried about are geopolitical risks. So you know about the war in Ukraine and Russia. There's too much at stake for both sides to give up on that war. So there is a risk of an escalation in this war, which could have a negative impact on the consumer sentiment in Europe going forward. And also maybe more relevant to uh, APEC uh, clients, uh, there is the uh, fight for supremacy uh, between the US and China. You've heard over you know, the weekend that on Saturday, a balloon was shot over the US airspace. Yeah. Uh, this is just a small manifestation of, of those issues. But we do not want you know, the uh, uh, situation in geopolitics between China and US getting much worse because it could have a very negative impact with increased trade barrier on global trade. All right. Thank you very much, Stefan, for the insights. That was Stefan Monier, Chief Investment Officer at Lombard Odier. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.